I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Each month, a new destination is featured with recommendation, advice, and tips based on the first-hand travel experience I gain from the two to three times a month I travel all over the world. You may also want to check out the Tips for Travellers video podcast, a sister podcast which features videos I've made of hotel rooms or attractions with commentary and recommendations linked to the destination featured each month in this audio podcast. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com. For travellers is spelt with two L's, the UK way, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. You can subscribe to one or both of the podcasts by searching for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. Hi, I'm Gary Bembridge and welcome to Tips for Travellers, the Global Travel Destination Podcast. Today I thought for the 59th in the series we would actually dial things right back and go to the very first podcast, or the topic anyway, for the very first podcast I did back in September 2005 which was a series of top tips for first-time cruises, things to think about if you're taking a cruise. And I thought I'd let you go right back and relook those tips and also add some new ones and update them based on experience I've had over the last couple of years. And the reason I thought I'd do that is with the explosion in the number of people that are going on cruises, never has there been a time when there are so many first-time cruises. An increase of people seeking the best and right way to venture forth onto the high seas for the very first time. So it felt like a really good topic now. I'm going to go through uh, 16 tips altogether. And if you have any thoughts or comments, it'd be great. If you add to those tips, disagree with the tips, or add your own tips. And the best way of doing that is visiting the site at www.tipsfortravelers.com where travellers is spelled with two L's and it's all one word, tipsfortravellers.com. And there you'll find the link to Twitter, the Facebook page, the various postings, email. It'd be great, great, great if you added to your tips. But meantime, here are my top 16 tips if you're about to or considering becoming a first-time cruiser. Number one is use a cruise expert travel agent. I'm one of those people that like to do my own research and I like to book directly when traveling. And I found, you know, often with hotels, it's the where you get some of the best prices. But I found very fast that it's much better when cruising to use a cruise expert agent. Not only do you get better prices and packages, but you also seem to get better cabins and a greater chance of upgrades if they are on offer. I found this out probably to my loss on the first two cruises that we went on where we book directly with the actual cruise company. And now I only book via cruise agent and definitely we've had better prices, we've had better choice of cabins, and when upgrades are we seem to, on offer, we seem to get them. So I've seen the the benefit in every every other price, cabin selection, upgrades, everything. So I strongly recommend it because I think it's still very much a cruise travel expert game rather than a direct with company and cruise line game. We found our particular agent via cruise site message boards where she was a very active participant answering lots of questions helping people out so I figured she would be really good now she's based in the UK she's a lady called Jane Chadwick and if you are interested her site is at www.gocruisewithjane.co.uk so go cruise with Jane which is all one word one sentence.co.uk now the next best option 
is, if you don't want to just find people through message boards, is ask your friends, ask work colleagues, find out who they use and who they recommend. But my real strong tip is focus on a cruise dedicated or a cruise expert agent because they really understand what you like, they understand the complexity of the different cruise lines, they can find the best cruise line for you and of course, as I mentioned, get you the best deals. But also linked to that though, it's very important to research, 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 which is my second tip. It's really key. And for me, the very best way of researching are the message boards on the main cruise fan sites. I use them extensively when first considering a cruise and I've used them a lot ever since then. They are by far, the, one, the best one by far is Cruise Critic, which is cruisecritic.com or I think they also have cruisecritic.co.uk, etc., etc. But the thing to do is to go and via cruisecritic.com, look for the forums, and you'll find there they're split by topic, they're split by cruise line, they're very active, they're very busy, and you'll find if you post a question, you get an answer really quickly. So, you know, I used to find if I post a question in the evening, by the next morning, I'd have loads of great replies. Also, you can search previous questions, and people are very friendly and very helpful. It's an excellent, excellent way to do research. If you're looking for something a little bit more physical, then I would probably recommend the Cruise Bible, as it were, which is the Berlitz Complete Guide to Cruising and Cruise Ships by a guy called Douglas Ward. The Berlitz Complete Guide to Cruising and Cruise Ships by Douglas Ward. It's updated every year, and in it he reviews cruise lines, he reviews the ships, he reviews different approaches to cruising, and he rates them based on his own experience. He spends something like 250 days a year on cruise ships, so huge amounts of experience, and it really is a really good book, and not that expensive either. The third piece, which is sort of linked to both number one and number two, is about the importance of choosing your cruise line brand very carefully. There's so many cruise lines, although in reality most are owned by two mega corporations, which is Carnival and Royal Caribbean. Now, Carnival is the largest; it owns everything from Cunard through to P&O, through to Holland America, and of course Carnival itself. And what these mega companies do is they try and offer a different experience, they try and differentiate the ships, they provide different levels of service, different features. So it's very important to understand what a particular cruise brand and cruise line is offering. So you find yourself on a ship that is most like to meet your needs and taste and have the with the very people that you're more likely to click with on the ship. The message boards can help enormously, the Berlitz Guide can help enormously, talking to your crew can help enormously. You know, they're not all the same, and they increasingly are trying to target different types of cruises. So choose carefully, because even decor is different, attitudes are different, you know, some are more formal, some are kids-friendly, some are kids-free, etc., etc., etc. So choose it very carefully, because there would be nothing worse than finding yourself on a cruise line brand that just doesn't click with what you like. The fourth, which also is a way of kind of checking out if you're right, is to go on a taster cruise. Now many cruise lines run short cruises of anything from one to three nights and they usually go from a return to the same port and they're perfect for first time cruisers to feel out if a cruise or a certain brand is for them and I strongly recommend that you do one of these before you commit a lot of money to a longer cruise. They're usually very competitively priced, they often run on weekends so that's also helpful from uh, taking time off work perspective and they give you a full-on experience and the experience of what a particular cruise line experience is then if you love it you're ready and eager to book something and if you hate it you only have a night or two to pass but the taste of cruises is also great because you find out huge amounts about the kind of people you find you learn so much from the fellow fellow cruisers and so on as you come to choose a cruise one of the, the probably 
underrated things that I would actually encourage you to think about is what are called repositioning cruises. Now, repositioning cruises usually happen at the start and end of season. So this is when cruise lines move their ships, say, from the Caribbean, which is in Europe, U.S. winter, and in the summer they then move them to the Mediterranean, of course, vice versa. They usually involve five or six nights at sea because you're obviously crossing the Atlantic. And then they tend to spend, normally at the beginning of the cruise, four or so nights at some ports. They tend to be really nicely priced, as people generally seem to like routes with lots of ports. And also a lot of people like to start and end at the same port. But I think that these repositioning cruises give you the best of both worlds. You get to do, see some places, and you get then the long, relaxing, gorgeous days at sea. Now, picking up on that point, point number six is my tip number six is do not worry about getting seasick. I was really worried about getting seasick, but the reality is that if you do feel seasick, it can be dealt with very effectively and very easily, either by buying anti-seasick pills from your pharmacist before you go, or if you find you do end up struggling, which is not very normal, but if you do find that you're struggling, you can go to the ship medical center, you can pay for this most amazing ejection, it puts you to sleep for a while, but you wake up ready to take on the roughest of seas. And I can really vouch for this. So on my first sort of long cruise, we did a winter crossing of the Atlantic on Cunard's QE2. We had 50-foot, 60-foot waves. It was very rough. We had the jab, and we had no issues at all. We felt fantastic. Now, saying all of this, one of the reasons for not worrying about it is that modern ships and all the new ships have the most phenomenal stabilizers, which stick out the side of the ship. And they reduce and pretty much cut out the roll effect. And the roll effect is the one that probably is the thing that gives you the, 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 the seasickness. So even when the sea is choppy, you really don't feel it. And so you're very unlikely to have any effect. These ships are now so huge and very stable. If you're concerned, the third thing is, you know, aim for a cabin in the middle of the ship and as low down as, as you can, because that's where there is the least movement of ships. So if you think about a ship and it sees moving up and down, the middle is kind of the center of the pivot. And, and is where the least movement is. So that's that's another thought. But don't worry about getting seasick. Tip number seven is about getting to the port and the ship as early as you can or are allowed to. Now, many cruise lines will try and encourage everyone not to arrive too early and all at the same time. But as a first-time cruiser and also when new to a ship, I always try to and recommend to get there, get on board as early as you can. You then have time to explore this new ship, you can find your way around before it's too busy and, and even before everything's open. And for many people, the first time on a ship, it can be a bit confusing, a bit disorientating. And it's really nice to actually just spend some time when it's still relatively quiet, you know, finding out where, what's on the ship, how, what the layout is, where your table is for dinner, other key areas that you're interested in, checking out the spa, checking out the gym, whatever. Then what you can do is, of course, once everyone's on board and you're about to disembark, you can then just go up on deck and enjoy disembarkation, knowing that you've kind of got the lay of the land, as it were. So that's my tip number seven. My eighth tip is about getting on the second sitting and a large table for eight. Now, it depends a little bit on the cruise liner, but in most cruise lines or many cruise lines do have uh, restaurants where you have fixed settings, an early sitting at sort of 6, 6.30, and a late sitting at 8 or 8.30. My advice is to, when you do have that set up, is to go for a big table and to go for the second sitting. Now, I'll tell you why I explain why I recommend that is if it's a large table, there's lots of things to discuss, there's lots of things to learn. And even if you don't really click with, say, one couple or something, it doesn't really matter because there's lots of other people at the table that you can engage with and chat and, and whatnot. Whereas if you're at a table with, say, one other 
couple that you don't get on with or you don't click with, it's a bit more difficult. The reason I say the latest one is particularly if you have uh, a lot of ports, a lot of stops, and particularly in summer, you'll find it all gets a bit of a rush to get ready back, you know, and, and, and ready for dinner. And, and also what tends to happen is people would argue that the second sitting is people who are perhaps a bit outgoing, a bit more chatty and whatever. And I don't really know if that's true, but we've tended to, on when we've been on cruises with fixed settings, that we always go for the, the, the second sitting in a big table and it's worked every single time. Link to that then is my tip number nine, which is talk to as many people as you can. People who cruise love to talk about it and they love to talk. And unlike if you go to a resort where people are more reticent and don't really talk, for some reason, people on cruises love to share their experiences, they love to share their tips, and they love to talk. So all you need to do is to talk to as many people as you can, and you'll learn so much. We, we learned, for example, on that Taster Cruise, just so much by just chatting to people, uh, tips, advice, things about what's good about different ships, and just so on and so on and so on. It's very easy because all you have to do is say to people things like, is this your first cruise, or is this the first time you've been on the ship, and you're off. And it's great. And it's amazing, literally, how, how for some reason being on a cruise ship, people's inhibitions and, and reticence to talk plummet. It's really interesting. Number 10 is about getting dressed up on formal nights and relishing and enjoying it. Now, many cruise lines have formal nights, not all, but many do. And many of them see them as a key part of the cruise experience. So if you're going to go on a cruise line that does have formal nights, you need to embrace and enjoy them. If you hate the idea, then avoid those cruise lines because you'll just have a miserable time and particularly ones that enforce them very strongly so Cunard very strict on their formal nights and semi-formal nights which is jacket and tie formal obviously the whole dinner jacket thing P&O is another one which is very strict so it's very important that if you're really not into it make sure that you do not go on a cruise line that is very strict on them I do think though that the whole dressing up is a big part of the cruise experience and it's it's great when everyone on the ship's all dressed up and it's really, really amazing. So I would say kind of at least on your first cruise, just go for it, do it, get dressed up and embrace it. Tip number 11 is around watching the extras. They will mount up very fast if you do not. Cruise lines used to be much more all-inclusive, but over recent years, this has started to evolve and even more so as the headline price of the cruise itself is being more and more discounted and priced to attract as competition gets bigger, people looking for sharper prices. So what cruise lines do is they work really, really hard to drive up the average spend by passenger from events, from special restaurants, from courses, from training, gym classes, spa treatment, spas are outrageously expensive on ships, from selling things in stores, from excursions, from onboard photos. There's always some excuse for them to take a photo. Internet access tends to be very expensive. And of course, drinks. It's very easy to spend a lot of money. Um, and it's very easy to spend probably even sometimes more than you spend on that cruise itself. As all your spend is charged to a cruise card, which acts normally as your uh, key card and as your, whenever you're buying anything, so as cashless society. Unless you set a budget, unless you're very disciplined and you, you know you really nearly buy rounds, you'll find you spend an absolute fortune. So it's very important to, to think about your budget and spend very carefully. And one of the ways, you know, if you're on a seven day or, or a longer cruise, you know, perhaps you know getting a printout of your 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 what you've charged so far is probably a good idea to help moderate your spending. Do watch that out. A lot of people find it's scary how much they spend on extras. My twelfth tip is about staying on the ship on some ports. Now, most people seem obsessed with getting off the ship rather than staying on and enjoying it, which is slightly strange if you've been on a cruise. 
Now, I, I may be a bit different, but I really love the sea days. They are more leisurely. You wake up slightly more leisurely time in the morning. You can enjoy the many events and all the options. And if you're on a cruise with many stops, I actually think what you should do instead of booking something every single day is plan to spend at least one day on the ship. You'll find things are quieter. You'll find you can enjoy things like the pool without all the crowds. You can sit quietly in the bars reading or whatever. But also because otherwise you'll find every morning you're up early, you're getting ready for the your excursion, you're off on the excursion, you come back, and it's actually just not as relaxing as it could be. So that, that's another tip. Now sort of linked to that and the excursions, my tip number 13 is about short excursions and asking yourself, do you really need to do them via the cruise line? I'll tell you the, the reason for not, and I'll tell you the reason why you may want to. Researching your stops is important, as I mentioned, you can do it on, on Cruise Critic, or you can do it on the forums, or actually even the individual uh, cruise line sites often talk a lot about the, the, the excursions and the stops. But there's usually a free shuttle bus laid on by the cruise line at the ship docks, not close to the town centre, or often you, the town centre is close enough to walk. And you may find that by just doing that, getting on the shuttle bus, exploring the town with a bit of preparation, you'll actually find it's great. You'll also find that a lot of the towns, the local uh, tourist um, bureau will often set up a booth with maps, suggestions, etc. as you come off the ship. So you can probably very easily, in many places, just go and have a little excursion yourself. Or you can actually go on other more formal booked excursions. Now, we tend to not go on many of the cruise line excursions. Um, we tend to research, have a look at what we're going to do. And sometimes you find, actually, if you want to go to a beach or you want to go to a particular museum or something, you can often do it quicker and easier and more flexible by yourself. Excursions can be fairly costly. They can mount up, and they may not be worth it. However... The only watch out I would say is a couple of things is in some places if you know security is an issue or you're more concerned about it it's always better to stick with the uh, cruise line organized uh, tours because you know they'll make sure that from a security perspective you're you're in hand and looked after and secondly also if you do something yourself make sure that you are back on the ship plenty of time if you go to something like YouTube and you search you'll find many a video of people running along the side of the ship as it as it pulls away from the dock, having spent too much time on their own excursion and missed the ship by five minutes, ten minutes, or I guess sometimes longer. So if you are going to do your own thing, also make sure that you have written down in the local language the ship you're on, make sure you have the phone number, make sure you have a phone or money for a phone or tax, etc. But really do watch out to the security aspect and there's also just a practical aspect. Because if the ship, once it's untied from the dock, you're done. And you're going to have to find your own way either back home or you're going to have to find your way to the next stop where the ship uh, docks to re-meet the ship. Tip number 14 is bring enough cash for the tips. Now, this depends a little bit on whether your cruise fare includes or excludes tips or whether they're going to be added to your onboard account or paid up front or if you expect to pay cash. So on the message boards, tips is probably one of the most discussed topics after actually you know, dress code. Now, most cruise lines will recommend a level and they will either build it into your fare or they will say, look, we put it onto your 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 daily onboard accounts, such as Cunard would do that, for example. Or PO would actually leave it to you to give cash. So one thing is is avoid the temptation if you are being charged to pay uh, both cash and your account. And you do sometimes feel a little bit pressurized to do that. One tip I would say though, even if it's all included, is what a lot of people recommend is on the very first day when you meet your cabin steward, is maybe give them a $20 note or something like that when you first meet them and you'll probably find that they go even a further extra mile on top of the incredible service they have 
uh, if you do that up front. Tip number 15 is plan your next day before you go to bed. There's so much to do on a ship. Most providers schedule for the next day when you return from dinner, gambling, whatever, watching a show. And it's worth spending time digesting and planning the next day to make the best use of your time because there is so much to go and you want to make sure that you, you there are things that you, if you want to see, you see. Remember also you are on vacation, so don't go too crazy. But that's well worth doing and perhaps having a negotiation between uh, the, the, you and your partner or whoever you're traveling with about what you're going to do or not do. My last tip is about self-service disembarkation. Now, depending on what level of cabin you're traveling, you may find yourself sitting about in public rooms from fairly in the morning, like 8 o'clock, for a few hours before you can actually get to disembark at the end of the cruise. Now, many cruise lines are now offering self-disembarkation, where if you can carry all of your luggage, both your hand luggage and your main luggage off the ship, you can often get off the ship you know, half an hour to an hour after the ship's docked and cleared. Now, I really like this because it means less time hanging about. You can wake up in the morning, have some breakfast, and as soon as it's cleared, you just take your bags and you get off the ship. And it's great. I really like it. But it's very important to think about a couple of things. When you're packing, you've got to think about, can you manage all the luggage yourself? Because you have to carry it. So it's very important. And particularly when you're doing a port to port, a lot of people, you know, there's no weight restrictions. So a lot of people tend to take loads of stuff. But just think about it, you don't have to carry that. The other thing is make sure that you have cases with wheels because ships are very big and you're probably going to have to carry a long way through the ship. Then you're going to have to get off the ship. You're going to have to carry it through customs, the immigration, whatever. Then you have to carry it to the car park or whatever. So if you are going to do that, make sure that you absolutely can carry what you've got. So there you have it. Those are my tips for first-time cruises. There are 16 of them. And as I mentioned, it would be great if you have any ideas, thoughts, or comments. If you added to these, disagreed with these, commented on these, the best way of doing that is by going to the site at www.tipsfortravelers.com or one word, travelers spelled the UK way with two L's. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments. And also when you're on the site, it'd be great if you'd sign up for the email newsletter, follow me on Twitter, join the Facebook group, etc., etc., etc. Loads of stuff to do there. So until next time, here's to great cruising and very happy travels. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travellers or Gary Beveridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travellers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com, where travellers is spelled the UK way with two L's, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk.